You are now listening to the Think 180 podcast from Inc. 180 Ministries in Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome. Please stand by. Hey everybody, this is Chris from Inc. 180 Ministry, southwest suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. This is the Think 180 podcast, episode 3. Uh, today we're going to be talking about gang violence, not just in Chicago, but across the country. It's a problem we, we see on the news every single night, um, and it's something I saw a lot of growing up. So I guess before we kind of get into everything, I'll give you a little bit of background and, and why I care about kids involved in gang activity. I, I grew up in L.A., and um, when I was a teenager, my dad left, and he didn't just leave and get an apartment across town. He uh he left the country and moved to England and abandoned me and my mom and my sister. And I was a pretty angry kid. And that's just a real nice way to put it. I was extremely angry. I was lost. Uh, I didn't trust people. Um, And my life changed. That, that divorce put me on a pretty bad path. And uh, I don't, I don't think people think about the long-term effects that that stuff has, but I grew up in LA um, met my, my beautiful wife, Lisa in high school. But I mean, thinking back, we were just talking about this the other night, you know, I remember being 16 years old and driving around the streets of LA and my lowered Nissan was that 1985 Nissan mini truck with 15 inch Sherwin Vegas bumping that song by NWA many a night in Hollywood, Whittier, Santa Ana. Um, that was my life. And uh, I had a lot of a lot of my friends when I was growing up were involved in gangs. I never was. That's one of the questions I get all the time. They're like, well, you must have been involved in the gangs. That's why you do this, right? No, I, I wasn't involved in the gangs. And there's there's a reason for that. Uh, that wasn't my life. They, they knew my friends that were involved in it. They knew that I wasn't about that life. But really, the main reason that I never did anything crazy when I was a kid like that was my mom. You know, my mom went through just a hell on earth with my father and dealing with him. And she'd been disappointed by men, you know, most my dad, her, her entire marriage. And I, I sure wasn't going to put her through any more disappointment or heartbreak um, because that woman worked herself almost to death to support me and my sister. And I love my mom to death. Um, but I saw a lot. I saw a lot just knowing the guys that I knew and, you know, living in the city that I was living um, you know, it's Crips, Bloods, Serenos, nine-year-old kids palming twenty-two pistols in their hands when cops are pulling them over and turning around shooting cops. Um, you know, the helicopters that we affectionately labeled the ghetto bird with the spotlight looking for people, the 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 daily car chases, people, you know, trying to get away from getting caught after a drive-by shooting. It was on the news every day, every afternoon. That was like Afternoon must-see TV was the L.A. car chase. It still goes on today. Um, I've seen, you know, I've seen people get shot. I've seen things that people should not see, and I've heard about things that people shouldn't hear about, and things that just shouldn't happen. And uh, ten years ago, Lisa and I left L.A. Uh, we have three kids. They're now nineteen, fifteen, and eleven. But uh, ten years ago, they were just little kids, and we um we had an opportunity to leave and we we took that opportunity and 
Lisa was born in Chicago, actually in a town called Bensonville by O'Hare Airport, and had a lot of family here. So we would come back to Chicago for for trips and things like that. And man, we love Chicago because it reminded us reminded us of Los Angeles, but you know, it had the this aspect that we didn't have in LA, where you know the neighbors took care of each other, and there was like this this family and this bonding of people you lived around and had the same kind of racial diversity that we valued with Los Angeles and the arts and the music and everything like that. And I mean, Chicago is a beautiful town. So we decided to move here and, and it was funny because when we did, I remember specifically, I said, Lisa, it's got all the things that we love and we find important in raising our family and our, in our lives, but they don't have all this gang violence. And we look back at that now and just, you know, we don't laugh because it's certainly nothing to laugh about, but we just shake our heads. So we moved out here and, and this was before I was a Christian, you know, I've only been a Christian for seven years. So that'll kind of come into play here and you'll, you'll see that. But, you know, some, some information about our, our beautiful city. Uh, there's 500 gangs in Chicago, roughly. Uh, it's increasing and gangs are splitting off by the day. Um, there's a reason for that. You know, police do great work. Let me, let me start off today by saying we love our police. We work with state, federal, and local law enforcement. We love them. We love what they do. I don't want you to take anything today that I say as a slam against cops because that's not what I'm about. Okay, The truth be told, I wanted to be a cop when I was younger. But with my friends being who they were, I could have never passed that background check. So now I get the, the best of both worlds. I get to do my ministry work and do what I love with tattooing and tattoo removals. And I get to work with great cops every single day. So I want to say that right out of the gate, but something has to be done in Chicago. You know, people tell me all the time like Chris, we see all these shootings. We see all these guns flooding into our city. Why aren't the cops doing more? Why isn't the mayor doing more guys? This isn't a, a cop issue. Okay. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of mayor Emanuel, and I've been pretty outspoken about that. I would love to see somebody like Sheriff Tom Dart become the next mayor of Chicago. But this isn't even, this isn't his fault. This is something that's been going on for decades. This year, year to date, we're recording this on July 1st, 2017. And year to date, we've had 1,714 shootings in Chicago this year. That's unacceptable. Uh, I won't stop doing this until there's none. Till there are zero shootings, okay? And you're probably sitting here listening to that and saying, that Chris, that's not realistic. But you know what? Um, I serve a God of big dreams and big changes, so that's what I'm praying for, and that's what I'm hoping for. But the gang violence has become almost a footnote on the news every night. It's, it's not something that is, um, I don't want to say it's not taken seriously, but it's kind of a footnote in the news between the Cubs and the White Sox score and the news and the weather. It's just, it's not acceptable. These are people and we need to value these lives. We're going to talk about that. You know, why, why do we care? You know, you might be sitting there saying, Chris, you know what? These are people that have made stupid decisions. They're evil people. They're drug dealers. They're selling guns. They're shooting people. Um, now, yeah, there are people that have made horrible, horrible decisions, okay? I'm, and I'm not defending everybody here. But there are people that are in gangs not of their own choosing, okay? 
there are people that I've worked with, people that I've helped get out of gangs who are third generation gang members. Their dad was in it before them and their grandfather was in it before their dad. You know, a lot of people don't even understand how gangs started. When gangs started, they weren't anything about violence. They weren't about selling drugs and selling guns and committing crime and coming up. When gangs started originally, they were social networking groups for minorities. The Latin Kings, for example, the biggest gang in Chicago, they started as a social network for Latinos to help each other get jobs and services and housing and opportunities to band together to make a better life for themselves. It's not until the drugs came into play that they turned into gangs and gangs turned into violent criminals and violent criminals committed murder. Uh, Most people that are in these gangs right now don't even know that. These kids have no idea the history of their own crew. Um, So I just wanna make that clear. They did not start off as criminal enterprises. Drug game, the drug game kind of made it evolve into that. Like I said, we're recording this on July 1st. So it's the Saturday of 4th of July weekend. Historically, a very bloody weekend in Chicago. Um, although, which one of them isn't anymore? Um, last night alone, to kick off this holiday weekend, we had 18 people shot and two killed in Chicago. Uh, it's just unacceptable. You know, why do we care about this? Um, People have asked me, Chris, there's so many people that are involved in gang activity. Do you really think you're going to get them all? I don't know. Um, But you know what? As long as there's breath in my lungs and my hands still function and can remove or cover tattoos, I'm going to do this. And I'm constantly reminded by my pastor, Jeff, you know, Jesus went after the one, not the 99. You go after these, these kids one at a time, these men and women one at a time, and, and reach them and share opportunities and give them a different way of thinking about their life, they don't value their life. We're talking about people who look at turning 18 as a huge life accomplishment. Me, for my life, if I turn 100, I think that's an amazing accomplishment. These people are looking at their lives as being useless. They don't think they can do anything else because they've been told by the society around them that they can't do anything else. These are under-resourced communities in the biggest way you can even imagine. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, most of you that are listening to this, you can't imagine. It's horrific. When we started Inc. 180, we started to remove gang tattoos and cover gang tattoos free of charge. Um, Why do we care about that? Why do we care about them? We started doing street ministry up in Englewood, 75th and Marquette. I'm going to talk about some great organizations here in a little bit, but we just started going around and praying with people and helping people out and talking to people and asking them what their needs were and what, what they needed in their lives, the resources that they need. We ran into a kid named Curtis, gang member, drug dealer, homeless. Both of his parents were dead. His dad was killed in a shooting and his mom overdosed on heroin. He was living on the street. We sat and talked to him. We took him lunch and we sat there and listened to him for about an hour and a half. And he told us his story and the story of his family and his parents. He had a sister that he had no idea where she went. He was living on the streets. 
we talked to him and we helped him get into a situation where he had some temporary housing where he could get some shelter and a shower and a warm meal. And then we worked with another organization to get him a, a longer term housing. And we talked to him about his school. He wanted to get his GED. So we connected him with an organization that helped him prepare, take, and pass his GED on the first try. Guys, I've taken that test. It's not as easy as some of y'all think it is. He started taking classes at community college. He was working full-time, legit, his first legit job. He was successful. He was happy. You could see life coming back into him as we continue to work with him over the next two years. He goes to NIU. If you're not from around here, that's Northern Illinois University. Go Huskies. And uh, he's studying, guys. He is doing amazing things in college. He's studying molecular biology. Molecular biology. This is a kid that 99% of society wanted to toss to the side and pretend he didn't exist. Because we and a bunch of other great people came alongside him and op, you know, gave him some opportunities and, and talked to him and spoke some life back into his ears and encouraged him as a group, as a collective, as a collaboration. This kid is going to graduate from Northern Illinois University next year with a degree in molecular biology. And it's incredible. It, this kid is going to do amazing things. His spirit and his heart are unlike anyone I've ever met in my life. His resilience is inspiring to me. That's why we do it. We do it because we have people that come in here and they're lost. They're hurting. They know they've done bad things. They know they've been wrong. They've given it over to God. They've, they've paid their time. They've done their jail time, a lot of them, if, if they had it coming. They have changed their lives. They've put that gang aside, and that is no easy decision to make. You know, for a lot of these gangs, that's a life and death decision, leaving the gang. And it's not something that's taken lightly. Um, you know, why should you care? That's my question to people when they ask me, why do I care? You should care because these are people that matter to God. We are all, we, every single one of us, you know, we are all God's children. Okay. No matter what we've done in the past, you know what? I've done some things in the past that I am going to struggle with for the rest of my life with regret. I've given them over to God though. And I've been forgiven for what I've done in the past. And you know what? So have they, um, we see people, um, all the time that are like, yeah, but yeah, but no, but nothing. These are lives. Lives can change. My life changed. Guys, if you would have known me seven years ago, you would not, you would not want to talk to me. I was the guy that I didn't want to let anybody into my life. I started getting tattoos on my 18th birthday so people would leave me alone. I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want you to get to know me. I didn't want to let you into my life because you know what happened? Every time I let somebody get close to me, except for my wife, they either died, they went to jail, or they they messed me over in some way. So I didn't want to let people into my life. And if I can change, anybody can change. And we see it happen all the time. I tell people, you know, when they tell me, Chris, you know, I love your ministry. I love what you guys do and what you're about. Um, but why do you do it for free? I'm like, I do it for free because I get a front row seat to watch God work inside people's hearts every single day. And I've seen him take, 
the most hardened, angry, just furious gang members off the streets. I'm, I'm watching my language because I know there's kids listening, guys. Uh, but these are people that just feel like they got nothing. And we, we get a front row seat to watch him mend those fences and strip away that, that hard outer layer and watch him change their lives. And it's, it's a huge blessing. I spoke in a church in Naperville a couple months ago, and uh, this just really bothered me. And this, I'll tell you, this happens a lot. I won't name the church uh, because it's not really a reflection on them. It's just a one-person one situation. But this woman came up to me. And she said, well, you know, why do you help those people? I said, you mean gang members? And she said, yeah. I said, with all due respect, those people matter just as much to God as you do. Um, and just because they've made mistakes, terrible mistakes sometimes, um, that doesn't make them any less desirable to God. And I need you to pray for them. And I need you to pray for a change of heart as well, um, because they all matter. Every single one of us matters to him. And this is a, a conversation that I've had numerous times, guys. This isn't just a one-time thing. This happens. Um, Christians, I, I'll tell you, for the first 38 years of my life, I, I was not a Christian. I believed in God. I knew who Jesus was. I didn't have a relationship with him. But the reason I didn't go to church was because of Christians. Um, I didn't want to walk into a church and be judged based off the way I look. You know, I've got 77 tattoos. I'm, I'm 350 pounds. I shaved my head and I don't look like the nicest guy on the face of the earth. But the, the fact of the matter is that I love Jesus. He's changed my life and I'm a new person. Um, we need to stop judging people based on fact or belief of what they've done in the past. Because everybody is capable of change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is what this ministry is based on. It says, therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has dead and the new has come. The key word there is anyone. It's not just the, the people that have nice jobs, nice houses, and donate to you know, Salvation Army at Christmas by putting a dollar in the bucket. We're all valued by God. And I want you to take that away from today. Uh, when I was growing up in LA, one of the there was a lot of influences, some not so good and, and some amazing, uh, and I didn't know how or why at the time, because like I said, I wasn't a Christian then. But there's a there's a man in Los Angeles named Father Greg Boyle, and he has a, a amazing organization called Homeboy Industries that I grew up listening to on Power 106, listening to Big Boys Neighborhood in the morning and NWA and Ice Cube playing, and then he would talk about Homeboy Industries and what he was doing. He was doing prison and jail ministry and street ministry, trying to reach out to gang members to show them, Hey, I've got opportunities for you. I've got businesses. I can hire you and tra I can train you how to, you know, learn a trade and build a career and, you know, build a different way of life. And you're not having to worry about getting shot every day. I love it because it's real opportunities. It's real unconditional love. And he's making people understand what second chances are really about. And, if you've never experienced what a real second chance is, um, it's hard to explain to people. I know because I try to explain it every day to people because my life is an amazing story of a second chance. My life was a 180. That's why this is called Ink 180, guys. It's turning around. It's a U-turn. You make a U-turn in your life and you go away from that ugly and you go towards love and peace and happiness in your life and it does amazing things. So you're probably saying, Chris, you know, what are some answers? What can we do about this? 
you know, it's not just about removing tattoos for guys that used to be in it. How about reaching people before they get into it? And that's a great point. We're trying to do that too. What are the answers? What are the answers? First, let me say this. You're never, ever going to hear me get into a political diatribe on this podcast or on my Facebook. I don't get into politics. I follow it very closely and I have my beliefs and you have yours and that's what makes this country great. But I, I will say this. The president said a couple of months ago that he was going to send the feds into Chicago. And a lot of people took that to mean that there was going to be tanks rolling down Halstead and, you know, reserves stand there with AKs. And this week he made the announcement. He said, I'm sending the feds into Chicago. And I thought about that. I was like, well, what does that mean, Mr. President? He sent 20 ATF agents into Chicago. 20 ATF agents will help. They'll do some great investigative work. Like I said, we do a lot of work with the feds and state and local cops, and we love them. But it's not really going to make the change that we need. In order to see a real change in Chicago, I, I think I have some possible answers. I certainly don't have them all because I'd be in a, a higher office than I am right now. But what we need to do is we need to take our city back. We need people in the community to take the city back. We need to put a culture in place where people aren't afraid to report crimes. People are afraid, and I understand this, growing up in LA, we didn't ever talk about things that happened in the neighborhood because there's always eyes and ears. But I think that the Chicago PD took an important step recently where they set up this anonymous tip line um, to report crimes, and they are seeing an increase in reports of shootings and gun crimes and drug dealing. That's gonna be a huge help. Um, with regards to police, here is, here is one important thing that we need, this needs to be addressed. It takes 480 hours to become a police officer in the state of Illinois, 480. My oldest daughter, Mackenzie, is 19. She just finished cosmetology school. Do you know how many hours of training she needed to take to cut your hair and do your makeup? 1,500 hours to get her license to cut hair and do makeup. In addition to that, she has to do 40 weeks of on-the-job training yet it takes 480 hours to become a police officer in the state of Illinois. That's a problem. That's one. Another problem, police officers, when they graduate the academy in the Chicago PD, you know where they're assigned? The hood, the south side, the west side, Englewood, Pilsen, Little Village. Boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? You're going to put these guys in the most dangerous situation of their lives as rookies with 480 hours of training with guns, no stun guns, no experience in dealing with issues in the neighborhood. These are guys from the suburbs. Okay. People tell me all the time I'm crazy for doing street ministry in Englewood. Why? Well, because you don't live there. Right. But I used to. In LA, I was all my friends, you know, that's what I was around, guys. I have experience. And it's not for everybody. It takes time to, to get acclimated to that kind of a situation. Last time I was up there doing street ministry, uh, just recently, I was talking to a family, helping pull groceries out of this woman's car and take them up to the house. I heard a gunshot, continued on, talked to the next person, heard a gunshot behind us. It's sad that it's that normal. It's that normal. And we need to train our police officers better. We need to give them the tools to be successful. We need to teach them how to be community-minded officers. I went to, I mentioned, I don't talk about politics, but I'm going to talk about Mayor Emanuel 
and I hope he's listening right now. If you know him, tell him to listen to this because I want him to hear this pretty clear. He had a golden opportunity three years ago. I met with him in his office. And my whole goal of that meeting was to establish a relationship with the Chicago PD through him. All I wanted to do was give every single Chicago police officer a stack of my business cards to keep in their bag. The reason for that is they pull people over all day long. They pull people over and they have gang tattoos. The first thing that when they ask that person, what's that tattoo all about? They're going to say, oh, it's not me anymore. I left the gang 10 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago. And you know what? Sometimes that's legit. Sometimes it's not. What I wanted to do was give him a free bridge to the community to where his officer could simply give that person a business card and say, hey, that's great. I'm glad you're changing your life. Here's a business card for an organization that will get rid of that tattoo for you for free to help so you're not constantly asked about that old life. And he didn't do a thing about it. Not a thing. And um, am I angry about it? Yeah, I'm angry. I am angry. Because there's, you know, there have been numerous, countless people that we've helped here to remove tattoos for. And when I'm sitting there removing their tattoos or covering their tattoos, I talk to them. I had a guy in here not too long ago. He's been shot four times. He lived in back, uh, the back of the yard's neighborhood. Shot four times in his life. Twice while he was an active gang member and twice after he left and moved his family to another area of the city. He was shot the two times after he left the gang because of the tattoos on his arms that marked his old life. They didn't believe, they don't know. They're not going to stop to ask you if you're active or not. And they don't care. They see those tattoos, they're shooting at you. So I wanted to build that bridge. Now I've had to go a completely different way and work through friends that are cops in Chicago and say, hey, get me in. I want to talk to your commander and we'll set it up district by district. It's caused a lot more time and effort to be expended to get that done, but we're getting it done. You know, the, you know, it's like, you know, you go ask mom and she says, no, you go ask dad, you do it a different way. So that's what we're doing. But Mayor Emanuel, you should be ashamed of yourself for the, your lack of focus on this issue and turning away people that are trying to help you build a bridge to the community that you obviously are ignoring. We need to be the answer. It's not the police. It's not the government officials. We can't even get a budget signed in this state. How are we going to expect them to fix the problems of the inner city? So what is the answer? Okay, It's a, it's a bunch of things. It's opportunity. It's hope. It's collaboration. Options, jobs, and training programs for kids. Uh, and, and reclaiming our neighborhoods. And you're probably saying, Chris, that's a huge thing to, to ask for. Yeah, it, you know what it is? It is. But like I said, we serve a God of big dreams and big changes, and this can happen. And I know it can happen because I've seen it happen in Compton. Compton, California was the worst place on the West Coast growing up. We didn't even go there ever. If we were in Carson, which is just, you know, we're in Carson just south of Compton, if we had a $100 bill and it blew across the border into Compton, we left it. It was like, see you later. I'm not going to get it because that's where everything went down. NWA wasn't lying. They were giving us a snapshot of their life and what they saw every single day, the violence and the constant crime. And just It was a war zone. But Compton did something amazing. They did a lot of amazing things. The first thing they did was they, they elected uh, Mayor Asia Brown. She's an amazing mayor. If you don't know about her, Google, look up Asia Brown. Her first name is spelled A-J-A. Last name is Brown. She's an amazing mayor, um, female African-American mayor, 
and she's from Compton. All she did, and I, I say that not to downplay it, but it's simple. She brought in job training programs, literacy programs, after school, um, martial arts, sports, all these activities for kids, computer classes, um, computer programming, all this, all these organizations. Then she worked with people like Magic Johnson, all these celebrities that brought in and infused business and educational opportunities and money into a place that didn't ever see resources coming into it. I was just out in, in California back in October last year, and I went, uh, went to Carson, went to Compton, just checked things out because I had heard so many good things. And it was amazing. They had a Best Buy in Compton. Okay. You know what they had in Compton when I lived out there? A swap meet, a flea market. Now they have Best Buy, they have supermarkets, they have, you know, great companies coming in to provide jobs and training and, you know, jobs that aren't just nine to five. Here's a paycheck. It's here's benefits. Here's dental. Here's college assistance, training programs for management, things like this. That's what, that's what is needed. That's what's needed in Chicago. Okay, we've got organizations, and I'm not going to list them all because there's, I mean, I'd be here for four hours listing all these great organizations, but I'm just going to give you a few. We love, love an organization called MASK, Mothers Against Senseless Killings. Our friend Tamar Manessa, she set it up. You know what they do? This is how great this idea is. They live on the block, 75th and Stewart, Englewood. They go out, out of their house sit in lawn chairs and hang out on their block. There are presents. They talk to people. They feed each other. They have parties. They do stuff with their kids outside. They're visible. They have taken back their block. And it's, it's a pretty awesome thing to see it. Last year we did a, a special project with them where we helped collect school supplies and um, get money for school uniforms for the kids. And we had a barbecue the day before they went back to school. And it was amazing to see how much love is in that block, one block. So if we could see that happen across the city and beyond, we're, they're doing that in other cities as well. She's worked with so many people in other cities like New York. I know there's one out there um, that they're, they're doing. We love to work with them. In fact, we're going to go up there next weekend and take a bunch of pizzas out there and hang out with the kids and throw the football around and, and catch up because it's great what they're doing there. Um, Urban Youth Outreach is another one. Marquette and Union, Inglewood. I love what they do. After school, tutoring, computer classes, mentoring. They, I love going up there and just hanging out and talking, shooting baskets with the guys and talking to them, seeing what's going on. Um, but it's sad because if there's too much time, you know, I've got so many places I'm going to, so many different activities and traveling and this and that that sometimes it's a couple of months in between going up there and, you know, somebody's not there. And I'm like, you know, where is John? And he's like, oh, he got killed. You know, it's just, but that's a reality. But what they're doing is they're trying to stop that from happening. And they've, they've built a safe area, safe zone in Inglewood. Um, Kids off the block, great organization. I love those guys and what they're doing. I'm looking forward to doing some work with them in the near future. Pastor Corey Brooks. If you live in Chicago, you know who Corey Brooks is. You've seen him on TV. He has big dreams. I, I love this guy, his vision, what he's trying to do. Pastor Corey Brooks just had a Walgreens store donated to him that they had moved out of. And he's, he's using that building to set up a job training program for people. And he's got people hired from the neighborhood doing the construction right now. 
uh, just amazing work. Uh, another organization called Reclaim Our Kids. Uh, we've worked with them in the past quite a bit. We've done a lot of tattoo removals. They actually did something really cool. They worked with a, a guy who um, creates video games, and they created a video game that shows what it's like to be a kid growing up in the inner city of Chicago. And throughout that game, you make different decisions, and, and the way that you play it kind of takes you down different paths. So really cool stuff going on. You know, what do we do? I'm sure if you followed our work, you know we do gang tattoo removals and, and cover-ups, right? So, yeah, that's what we started with, but it's evolved. It's um, We've opened ourselves up to listening to what God wants us to do with this ministry, and it's paid off in, in huge ways. So in addition to the tattoo removals and cover-ups, we also do street outreach. We partner with these other great organizations to provide resources. Because when people need tattoos removed, they need other things. They need help with a GED prep. They need medical, dental, housing needs, food, insurance. Um, sometimes they need help with legal stuff. Um, so there's all these resources that we're able to help provide them with and guide them. So we're not just addressing one small part of what they need. Uh, we do a lot of educational events. We speak to schools. We speak to parents to teach them, all right, hey, if you see your kids wearing this kind of clothing, if you see these kinds of tattoos, they're talking about this. These are key things to look for to see if your kids are becoming involved in gang activity. We do that. And we pray. And we don't just say that we pray. We pray here every single day. We got a prayer wall in this shop that gets more mileage than my car. Okay, We pray hard. and We pray with people. We pray for people. And we follow up. The biggest thing is people don't follow up with people they're helping out. So we do all these things to try and help. And there's things that we're going to continue to evolve and we're going to do add more things to it and have more need for more volunteers. So, you know, we'll be talking about that as things go on here on this podcast. The key thing, and you're, you're probably wondering, you know, these people are never going to change, Chris. They're not going to change. Uh, they're killers. They're, they're too far gone. Here's what I've learned. They may not care about their life, but they sure care about their kid or their sibling, or their mom. You have to be creative and, and go different ways when you're talking to different people. And we've seen some of the, the most hardcore gang members in Chicago give their lives to Christ, get baptized, change their lives, go to school, get a job, have, uh, get married, have kids. We've seen it, guys. We see it every single day. One of our guys, his name was Daryl, came in here, Latin king. He had tattoos all over his face. We removed his tattoos, helped him out. Um, he's, I, I kind of look at him like he's like my little brother that I never had, you know. Um, and he had some serious tests. You know, he gave his life to God. He got baptized. He changed his life. And then his best friend was killed. And he knew who did it. It was a guy from their gang that killed him, his old gang. And he could have gone and, and, you know, sought retribution for that murder, but he didn't. He gave it over to God, and he changed his life. He, uh, he and his, his girlfriend had a baby a couple years ago. They've got another baby on the way. He's living in another city, working, doing the right things, being a great dad. That's why we do it. You know, I had, I had one of my current clients named Sierra. He was in here the other night, gang tattoo removal on his face, removing these tattoos. I asked him how his day went. He said, oh, man, it's, I was blessed. I said, what happened? He said, my, my wife had our baby it was a couple of months early, uh, and she, but she's going to be okay. 
we named her Jolene and he's telling me the whole story about behind the name and just to see the life in his face and him light up when he was talking about his wife and his baby girl. Um, and just, he just asked us to pray for, for baby Jolene. She's up on our prayer wall. I prayed for her this morning, but why don't you guys do me a favor and pray for baby Jolene too. And Sierra and his wife, because this is a guy that's changing his life. I've seen it happen. I'm seeing it happen. That's why I continue to do this. We don't, (laughs) we don't make money. (laughs) We make enough money to pay our bills and people think I'm crazy for doing this for free. I do it for free because I'm passionate about it. I want people to get that same second chance that I got. You know, it's great to go to church on Sunday, but if you just go to church on Sunday and don't do anything else about it, your faith is dying. And James, it talks about it. Faith without works is dead. We need to get out there and get active and try to affect some change for somebody else. There's no greater feeling than going to bed at night knowing that you helped somebody that could never pay you back. And I love that. That's the reward. The reward is when I get a phone call or a Christmas card or somebody stops by and says, hey, Chris, I'm getting baptized or I want to get baptized. Can you do it at your church? Um, I just got my GED. I just got accepted into college. We had a baby. I'm getting married. I got a promotion at my job. That's why we do it. That's the greatest reward ever. And knowing that when I get to get called home, hopefully a lot of years from now, I'm going to see these people in heaven. And it's going to shock a lot of Christians to see a lot of us in heaven. I'll tell you that right now. But we're going to be there. It's not without its... Without its um, pain points for us. We've had eight death threats. The gangs hate me because they look at what I'm doing as defacing their property. It's like when you cover up graffiti, if somebody graffitis a wall and you paint over it, that's a death threat. You're done. They're coming after you. We've had eight death threats since 2011. It does not discourage us. I'm not bulletproof. I know this, but I also know that God has a lot more work for me to do before I'm finished here and we pray through it. So it's all good. One of my favorite quotes is by a pastor named Judd Wilhite, who actually I'm going to get to meet next week when I'm out in Vegas covering up some scars and uh, doing some ministry work. Judd Wilhite at Central Church, he says, ministry is messy because the world is messy. Sin is messy. Get over it, grab a mop, and let's start cleaning this place up. We're here now. We all have abilities. We all have gifts from God. How do we use them to affect change for people in the inner city? That's all I got, guys. What are we going to do? Are we going to look at a problem or are we going to look at a solution? Let's make a difference. If you're struggling with that, you want to you brainstorm, you want to talk to me about it, send me a letter, send me an email, call me, 630-554-1404. Send me a message on the Inc. 180 Facebook page. I will support you. I will talk to you. I will listen to you and uh, hear out what you want to do. Because I've seen God give people ministries that they never would have imagined. Like I said, guys, seven years ago, I was an angry kid. I was an angry husband. I was an angry father. God breathed some life into me and gave me an opportunity and gave me a calling. And that's what this is. And It's changed my life. And you know what? If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. So I just want to thank you all for, for uh, listening today. Please share this podcast with your friends. Talk to your kids about it. You know, kids have great ideas. My kids have come to me with some of the best ministry ideas yet. So Talk to your kids about this. See what you guys can do. If you want to support some of our trips to the inner city to do gang tattoo removals or ministry or the work that we do with masks to collect school supplies or or uniforms, give us a call. We can talk to you about that.
to close things out, just a couple of announcements, a couple of things coming up. Uh, next week, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to do some work out there with our friends from Central Church, some ministry work. I'm taking my tattoo equipment, covering some self-harm scars and some other things. Can't really talk about here yet, uh, just for privacy and security reasons. But it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, this week was a great week. Um, we got to remove four sex trafficking tattoos, 23 gang tattoos, covered three domestic violence tattoos, and we covered self-harm scars for four people. It was a very busy, very active week. We've got a lot of work planned out for this month. Uh, I can't believe the summer's flying by. I want to thank everybody for all the birthday wishes on Monday and for the people that donated uh, for my birthday. It was great. Lisa came up with that idea to donate $4.60 for my 46th birthday, and it was awesome. So I just want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart uh, because people think sometimes that, oh, what's the what's the big deal? I'm donating five bucks. Well, I'll tell you, it, it makes a huge difference because you all doing that together does make a huge impact. And we're completely funded on my work and the donations of others. So thank you so much. Um, we're going to uh, have some announcements next week for the new Jump program at Big Life Community Church that I'm leading, helping people get involved in the community, serving in, in different ways. That's going to be a great support group for that. Um, we're planning a Facebook Live social media safety class for September 6th at 1 p.m. Central Time. We'll post all that info on the Inc. 180 Facebook page, and we'll be talking about it here on the podcast as we get closer to it. But people have been asking for that for a while, people that aren't in the area. So we're doing it on Facebook Live. We're going to give it a shot and see how that goes. And then next week um, on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a huge announcement uh, with another city adding to the ministry, a partner that's doing tattoo removals. So we're excited about that. Uh, and then next week is going to be a really important topic. We're talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart for the last four years. We're going to do a, the whole podcast is going to be centered around sex trafficking. Uh, so we're going to educate you on what sex trafficking is, what it looks like, um, and the work that we do and what others do and how you can get involved in fighting sex trafficking in your community, because no community is immune to it. I want to thank you for listening today. Please share the podcast with your friends. Thanks to Kyle Croning for producing the podcast and doing a great job. Uh, have a great week. Be blessed and go be a blessing to somebody else. Take care. Colors, 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 colors,